Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a beacon of liberal religion here in central Austin, and we're happy to have each and every one of you here. Every week when we get together, we recite our mission statement that we see here on the wall, and we do that because we come from so many diverse backgrounds that it's a nice reminder of what it is that brings us all together and unifies us as one religious community. And it really does just about say it. Please join me. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Today's reading is entitled Coming Home by Mary Oliver. When we're driving in the dark on the long road to Provincetown, which lies empty for miles, when we're weary, when the buildings and the scrub pines lose their familiar look, I imagine us rising from the speeding car. I imagine us seeing everything from another place, the top of one of the pale dunes or the deep and nameless fields of the sea. And what we see is the world that cannot cherish us but which we cherish. And what we see is our life moving like that, along the dark edges of everything, the headlights like lanterns, sweeping the blackness, believing in a thousand fragile and unprovable things, looking out for sorrow, slowing down for happiness, making all the right turns, right down to the thumping barriers to the sea, the swirling waves, the narrow streets, the houses, the past, the future, the doorway that belongs to you and me. And now I am doing things in flip order. I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer and meditation. These words are written by Amanda Poppy. Pape, excuse me. This is the home that love made. It's full of the love that the founders left when they planned out these walls and raised these beams above us. This is the home that love made. It is the it is full of the love of all who have worshipped here those who have celebrated and grieved here, the babies dedicated, the couples married, the family members mourned here. This is the home that love made. It is full of the love of our children as they learn and laugh together and our youth as they grow into their own sense of purpose and meaning. This is the home that love made. It is full of the love of the staff who have served it, full of their hopes for this congregation, their hard work and their acts of dedication. This is the home that love made. It is full of the love of the choir, the love made so clear in the voices lifted here on Sunday morning. This is the home that love made is full of our love 
the love of this community. Despite our differences and our disagreements, the love that holds us together as a people, this is the home that love made. Can you feel it? May the love be with us always. May it be so. Amen. I'd like to invite you, each as you feel so moved, to light a candle and make that candle be a symbol of a memory or a hope or a joy, something that you're grieving or something that you're celebrating as we all walk in here with our hearts heavy as we're carrying all that we've experienced, all that we've lived throughout the week. And in lighting these candles, the flame can carry this burden or this joy up into the very air. It can ride the flame into the very air that fills this room, the very air that fills our lungs. And in that way, we won't grieve or celebrate alone any longer. So I've just flown in from three weeks in Africa. I'll spare you the jokes about my arms being tired, but in truth, jet lag seems to be very serious business. All of me is tired. If I begin to speak gibberish, I'm counting on you all to remain calm and just find me a pillow and a soft place to fall. Despite my fatigue, I can't recall ever being happy to see all of your faces. (laughs) It's nice to be home. Here's what it took to get me home from the tiny rural Zambian village my Erin and I stayed in visiting friends of hers from her time in the Peace Corps for the last week that we spent on the mother continent. Okay, so our hosts escorted us on a 10-minute hike through a dusty trail to the roadside where we attempted for one hour to flag down a ride. Yes, that's right, we hitchhiked, which in Zambia is also understood as hailing a cab because if you drive a car, you make money on the side by giving people rides. It's just a given. I didn't know this until then. And after stiff negotiations, Aaron and I scored a ride in the seatless back of a newspaper delivery van for the 10-hour drive into the capital city for the night. The next morning, we headed to the airport in a more official version of a taxi and boarded a several-hour flight to Johannesburg, where we caught a 10-point-something-hour flight to Istanbul and another 10-hour flight to John F. Kennedy Airport in New York City. At JFK, we were so completely ecstatic to have reached the U.S. after so much travel. And more exhausted than ever before, we found our gate after gorging ourselves on familiar foods and fell asleep without realizing it, waking up 20 minutes after the plane departed. (laughs) What later became known as the most expensive nap ever led to our returning to Austin at midnight on the third day of near-continuous travel. 
Yes, that was very, very early Friday morning that we got home. Turning the key in our front door was miraculous, almost as miraculous as my standing up right here before you right now. (laughs) This was my first trip outside the U.S., and no one had warned me that the quality of reading materials you bring or the size of the movie selection on the plane matters not in such circumstances. The endless hours, the lack of movement, and Turkish flight attendants who will appear out of nowhere to tell you to close your window shade if you so much as peek at sunshine from the darkness, the endless darkness of the cabin, they all provoke a type of desperation in which the dreams of getting closer and closer to a final destination called home are all that keep you from pulling fistful of hair, your own or anyone else's, out of scalps. Home. It became this mythical place of safe familiarity, like the thought of returning to the womb somehow. I closed my eyes, trying to block out yet another romantic comedy showing on a small screen on the back of the seat in front of me and a swift, yet another swift kick to the back of my own chair while picturing hugging my pets and the honey-scented hand soap that I vaguely remembered having in our bathroom. I remembered habitual moments like doing dishes and driving a car as if they were events for which I'd bought tickets to months ahead of time and was eagerly awaiting. Just these weird thoughts come back to you. The thought of home. Home. It became the golden calf upon which this new faith was quickly being built. It was the ideal upon which I was clinging to. Its history and distant memory the only thing keeping me sane as I faced each dragging future hour ahead of me. The trip to Africa itself was the experience of my life, from which I can bet you'll hear stories for many years to come. But what's relevant today is the idea of wanting to preserve a memory of home that can be returned to. It isn't long before becoming a Unitarian Universalist, or excuse me, it isn't long after becoming a Unitarian Universalist or growing up as a Unitarian Universalist that someone learns that the headquarters of our association of congregations, our home plate, as well as a great deal of our denominational history is in Boston. And typically, alongside that bit of understanding comes the knowledge of the famous address, 25 Beacon Street. The first time I visited Boston on 25 Beacon Street at age 23, I felt as if I had arrived at the motherland. The two old buildings sitting right next to the Massachusetts State House gave me goosebumps to stand in front of. I I know I'm a church dork, but what can I say? 
As, as I thought about all of those who had passed through their doors and all that had happened within those walls that had helped to form this free faith that I love so much. John Marsh characterized 25 Beacon Street as, quote, more than an office building, he writes, it has been our axis mundi, the imaginary center of our world, the portal between everyday and mystical, the destination of religious pilgrimages, and the repository for holy relics, including the writing desk of Reverend Thomas Starr King and a lock of hair of William Ellery Channing's. There was another, he says, another 25 Beacon Street before this one, when the American Unitarian Association moved into the first 25 Beacon Street headquarters in 1886, it was on the other side of the state house. When they moved to the current headquarters in 1927, they had enough pull with the Massachusetts legislature that a bill was passed to allow them to carry their address with them. Confusing people looking for nearby buildings for generations to follow. It's being out of normal numerical sequence, adding to its allure as a portal into the extraordinary, like platform nine and three quarters in Harry Potter's Wizarding World. We love our family home. But today, October 6th, is what is to be known as Join the Move Sunday, in which all UU congregations have been encouraged to talk about and garner support for, at least rally together in coming to terms with, the upcoming move away from and selling of our historic denominational headquarters at 25 Beacon Street, Boston. The reasons for this move are practical and sound and quite visionary. But human emotions are not so tidy, and many UUs around this UU-dum, <laughs> I love, we got to christen a term. They have christendom. What can we have? Many UUs, including myself, are experiencing pangs of sadness at the selling of our historic family home. Anyone vaguely familiar with New England real estate is aware that the UUA has been sitting on a property gold mine in 25 Beacon for some time. Our denomination and many of its programs did take a serious financial hit during the recession. And so it's no secret that the denomination could use the additional financial security that selling this historic property will bring. But above the lure of cashing in on this investment, we as a denomination are faced with this wonderful dilemma right now that we are quickly outgrowing our current digs. A year ago, USA Today reported that UUism is growing rapidly especially in the South, while most other faith traditions have declining membership. We here 
are experiencing the same problem at First UU Church of Austin, where we've had well over 100 new members join in the past year and have dropped, we've dropped our attrition rate at the same time by 50% in the last two years. We too have struggled recently to find room on our campus to house the staff and programs required to sustain such a dynamic and rapidly growing community this size in an effort to better serve the needs of current UU congregations as well as to better embody our principles as a liberal religious movement. The decision was made by our UUA president and board of trustees to purchase three floors, three large floors, of a brick warehouse at 24 Farnsworth Street, located one mile, approximately, away from Beacon Hill, from the old headquarters, the current headquarters. But this one mile is a world away from that neighborhood's old money character. Also, the new building will offer opportunities to become more welcoming, as the space will be more accommodating to groups of visitors and will finally allow our headquarters to be accessible to people of all physical abilities. The new spaces open floor plan will allow for greater collaboration between staff and departments. Our, our denomination president, Peter Morales, has said that he doesn't know who's in the building when he's in his office because of the layout of the current building. You never know who's there. It's all very compartmentalized and separate. And so this will allow for staff to actually see each other's face and talk to one another. And the building structure will reduce the headquarters carbon footprint as much as possible by employing sustainable building practices as they remodel this gutted warehouse. Rob Mola, Director of Human Resources for the UUA and new headquarters design team lead, promises that the new headquarters will honor our past while looking to the future, ensuring that we have the best tools and most collaborative space possible to serve you and your congregations. And as planned, the Museum Quality Interactive Heritage and Vision Center at 24 Farnsworth Street, will help the visitor to, we're told, root themselves in a rich history while looking forward into the future, have a presence and, re and a reach that is local, regional, national, and global, deepen the dynamic relationship among the headquarters, congregations, and partner organizations, and share our story in the larger context of cultural movement. So they're they're making big attempts to capture the history and honor it. But listening to this, all of this here, all these news briefs of what's going on in Boston, here in Texas, many of us may wonder what all the hoopla is about and why we should care. As member congregation of the association, of this association of congregations, the headquarters, though it is in Boston, is our headquarters. As much as it is anyone else's, and what happens in Boston 
is our business too. The historic beloved sites are our roots and our story as much as they are anyone else's. Also, as I mentioned before, it's no secret that we find ourselves facing a similar situation. Our ultimate decision to stay and build or to sell and move may not may or may not mirror the the one that uh, our movement's headquarters has made. So let's pay attention. The UUA Executive Vice President Kathleen Montgomery recently reflected, I dearly love 25 Beacon Street and rarely come into the building as I have almost every day for 30 years without reveling in the memories it contains and its stately elegance. Almost every room in it is embedded with stories that remind me of the people who have been in them, ones I know and care about and others who were long gone before my time. Lots of laughter, some tears, marriages in the chapel, endless meetings, important decisions, scheming and planning and watching change happen, watching the association grow, build on past, and become more clear about its mission. She says her best memory, the era when the Massachusetts State House struggled with the issue of marriage equality, and we hung huge signs facing the State House that said things like, civil marriage is a civil right. The demonstrators and the politicians couldn't miss them. She goes on to say, I love all the memories and get sentimental thinking about them. Well, okay, I get sentimental pretty easy. But you know what? It's time to move on, she says. That belief didn't come easily or quickly to me, but I grew into it with certainty. We need a different kind of space that fits the time we find ourselves in. We need to unburden ourselves of buildings that are about the past and not about the present and the future. We need to acknowledge that bearing the enormous cost of bringing Beacon Hill buildings into the 21st, um, excuse me, she says, into the 20th century, forget the 21st, would be foolish. So we'll take our memories with us as we move on. No one and no building can take them away. They're ours. They'll always be ours. Now it's time to move to a new, fresh, innovative space and create new memories. Ultimately, this is the difficult decision that our elected president and board of trustees made on our behalf in order to better live into our shared principles and purposes. It was decided that the future of UUism should be more concerned with the future development than the enshrining of heroes and accomplishments of our past. So as we've been encouraged to do this Sunday, and other church, other UU churches are doing the same thing during service across the country, I encourage you to consider searching Join the Move online, learning more about and donating to these efforts. As this movement and this congregation in particular continues to grow in the fertile ground for UUism that is Austin, Texas, we will no doubt 
look to this move with a curious mind as we should and ask these questions and others. What is the essence of this church community? What will it mean for us, for this congregation, to live more fully into our church's mission? Where might our children find evidence of our legacy when they dig? And how might they go about continuing in this work? And how does our location and our building reflect all of the answers to these questions? Though these questions involve change, no matter how they are ultimately answered by this congregation, and change is rough, I'm excited to be a part of this community at such a time. What a wonderful problem to have. What wonderful questions to wrestle with as a faith community. For as Reverend Lewis B. Fisher is quoted as saying a century ago, and you've probably heard this one, universalists are often asked to tell where they stand. The only true answer is that we do not stand at all. We move. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.